Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. How are you guys doing? This video is sponsored by Upside. I'm going to tell you guys right now, my background is going to look a little bit different over the next week or so. Hopefully, it might actually be just a couple of days because that means I've tagged out. I'm actually out here elk hunting. And for most of you guys who don't know, my other channel is actually Lunkers TV, and I do a hunt and fish. That's pretty much how I got started on YouTube. Or now it's elk season. I'm sitting in this rig once again, and hopefully we're going to be, well, hopefully we're going to be taking on an elk. I, I love elk. Tastes so good. I love harvesting my own meat. I actually haven't killed an elk in a couple of years, so we need to get it done. So we're going to have some visuals uh, when it comes to numbers coming out of confirmed pieces of equipment that the Russians have actually lost and were banded since the beginning of this counteroffensive, which seems to have actually taken a, a pause, which is which is not a bad thing. Currently, the Russians have lost 541 um up-armored vehicles, we're going to call them right now, which is 55% of them were actually intact and in working order. We can only really mean that these things were actually abandoned by the Russians who were tucking tail and running from the Ukrainian offensive that was taking place. There's been 234 pieces that have been completely destroyed and 298 that they've actually been able to, to maintain and keep, to be exact. That's quite a bit. That's literally more pieces of armor that's been given to the Ukrainians by the Russians than Germany actually gave to the Ukrainians. So, way to go, Russia. You literally just gave them 300 pieces that are intact. One of them was actually a, it was up in Kharkiv, and it was a, um, it was basically some type of radio jamming equipment. I don't, I don't know entirely. It's a huge, like, it's really big. It's like the size of a bus. And they're actually going to be sending this over to, for the United States and the Western countries to then pick it back apart. So, it was kind of cool. I did see that. Uh, now, you guys know it's always encouraging to hear what the loved ones of the Russian soldiers are, well, what they're actually saying to them. Короче, ты так и остаешься на передовой. Да. Очень сильно там бомбят. Да. Что, обосрался? Да нет. Салфетку-то хоть хватает подтираться? А, салфетку подтираться? Да, пока еще хватает. Да, обосрался, а не обосрался, блин, просто это. это По-другому себе все это представлял. Потому что организации никакой нету. Я-то думал, тут армия, блин, а тут не армия. А там просто мочило друг друга, да? Я просто думал, что здесь как бы армия, как везде в частях, там какая-то организация какая-то, да, тут нет ничего. Сам, каждый сам для себя. О, господи. Ну ты можешь хотя бы, когда тишина, ночью потихонечку позвонить просто? Ночью, у нас здесь нету ни света, ни воды, ничего нет. Не, не моемся, не стираемся. Ночью нельзя ничего включать вообще. Все на ощупь. Какой звонить куда? Ну хоть просто позвонить, сказать, я живу, и все, и трубку положить. Да и нельзя тут так часто звонить. Ну вот я сейчас позвоню, и надо бежать отсюда, потому что может прилететь. Ой, все, давай трубку тогда ложи и вали нахер отсюда. Now, you know, if I was on the front line and I had called back home, you know, maybe to my wife or maybe to my mom, whoever, I would at least hope to hear some words of encouragement instead of someone asking me if I've defecated on myself and if I've had enough toilet paper to clean the mess up with. Like, either way, this is just another example how poor the Russian morale currently is. And like I've said inside of previous episodes, it's not going to increase once winter hits. Now, with all that's happened in the past week or so, I would expect it to slow down a bit, which is going to be kind of healthy. I think that's what we're seeing currently. 
Now, what I mean by healthy is you don't want to create a situation like America did in World War II with Bastogne or as of recently with Russia and all of Ukraine. Okay, now Ukrainian military has actually seemed to slow down a bit and regroup in certain areas, but they are still taking back some ground in the north and applying uh, applying some pressure where the Russians are currently still retreating, which we're going to talk about here in a second. But before we get into that, we're going to enjoy a few bits from our favorite people. For these six months, Russian forces have left from the regions that they were involved in, in Kiev, in Chernigov, and then they left the island of the Zmei. Практически полностью, ну там еще кое-где остаются в Харьковской области, но в результате этого контрнаступления пришлось российским войскам оставить существенные территории, которые российская армия контролировала на территории Харьковской области. Конечно, это тяжелый удар. Проблемы, которые существуют, это из-за того, что не то бомбят, и не там бомбят, и не так и столько, сколько необходимо. Или это потому, что есть тактические и стратегические проблемы, и недостаточно людей для реализации тех задач, которые поставлены. И здесь мы можем говорить, вот, например, вот были удары, допустим, по ТЭЦ, там, в Харькове, вчера и так далее. А эти удары, они приблизят победу на Украине или нет? А. Учитывая, что войска это мы, отходят... Это мы дойдем, мы То есть, по отдельно... сути, мы, мы говорим о чем? Что есть выбор сейчас, по сути. Есть выбор. Проведение мобилизации, оно с собой, за собой потянет целый ряд других моментов, связанных с экономическими вопросами, потому что мобилизация... Now, we are seeing more and more people actually saying the truth about the failures of the Russians inside of Ukraine, which is very abnormal. But you can tell this gentleman saying, uh, who is saying this is really like putting the other hosts on edge just a tad bit more than we've ever seen. Это будет иметь э, серьезный эффект экономически. Это будет означать, что снаряжение, экипировка, оружие необходимо будет уже не на ту армию, которая воюет сейчас, а на гораздо большие силы. И не, и не факт, что сейчас у нас есть достаточно сил, для, ну достаточно вот средств, чтобы, так, чтобы такую армию Константин Вы знаете, все это время, последние недели... Здесь и смеялись над попытками украинцев контратаковать и говорили, что все наши, что приезжал вот Андрей Турчак в Харьковскую область несколько месяцев назад и говорил, что Россия здесь навсегда. Что так. мы видим, к сожалению, сейчас? Давайте что Россия мы... ушла. Да. Достаточно у нас сил. Очевидно, что сейчас нет. Now the same gentleman is making some really, really solid points with that being like due to the sanctions, like they literally can't get things done. And Russians like inability to get the needed items so they can actually facilitate their military to, to actually mass mobilize, which will really do nothing but get more men killed. That's really a fair point. And I haven't really put into full consideration its impact, like the full impact it would have on their economy as a whole, because the amount of people that would actually have to stop what they're doing and take up arms to fight in Ukraine or would have to stop making like a certain product that is driving the current economy inside of Russia, they would then have to change the items that they're making to then focus solely on war-based things, and they're not going to be really making any type of revenue. So it's not going to be really good like at all for their country when it comes to generating revenue and keeping their economy going. Now, speaking of economy, from cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts, and it really hurts. Here in America, it is brutal right now. And that's why I've started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, which is literally everybody, I guess unless you own a Tesla. But I guess what you do buy, you buy groceries and dine out. So that's another way to use Upside. So with every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. 
Now, I just came on this trip and I had to use a lot of fuel to get here. A lot of fuel. All you got to do is pop up the app and you guys can literally see the fuel stations. You can go to the cheapest one. You can save 20, 30, 40 cents on every single gallon. That's insane. How are you guys going to utilize the cash? It's, it's not too good to be true. I've used it and it works. Upside is a no-brainer. What are you guys going to do with all the cash you're going to get back? Now, all you have to do to get started is download the app. It's free. Free Upside app. Just go to Upside inside your Google and Apple Play Store, whatever it is. Go type in Upside. Download it. It's free. And use my promo code STTPODCAST and get $5 or more cash back on your very first purchase of $10 or more. All you have to do is literally go download it. Type in Upside. Download it. Use my promo code STTPODCAST and get $5 or more cash back on your very first purchase of $10 or more. Claim the offer. Whatever you're buying on Upside, check in at the business that pay as usual with your credit or debit card and get paid. Like in comparison to credit card rewards and or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more with cash back with Upside. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every single week, and that's why they have more than a 4.8 rating on the app, like all the app stores. So go check them out. There'll be a link to the very top of the description. Go type in Upside in the app. Use the promo code STTPODCAST. Now, you know what's really getting under the skin of the Russian civilians is the fact that Zelensky actually visited Izium, and he took this photo. Yes, this photo, which you guys are seeing right here, but the thing is, it's making these Russians very, very, in, like, really angry, the fact that no artillery was actually shot at Izium during his visit. Now, I, I will actually read off some of the stuff I have actually been seeing okay, about the newly liberated town of Izium, and he said this, does this make Russia look nice? No, it makes Russia look weak. Now, I do agree with this person's take by which... That he is taking, he's a, he's a large influencer, by the way, for the Russian side of things. Now, he's saying that he's so mad about this counteroffensive, he's going to be taking a week or so off of the internet to decompress. That's how mad they're getting over the fact that this, this, this Zelensky visit and, and this whole uh, offensive movement. Now, Izium is, is he's, he's also claiming that Izium is easily reached by Russian MLRSs and tactical missiles, and there was zero reason not to interrupt this propaganda opportunity with an Iskander. That's exactly what he said. Now, I'm going to say this right now. I think we have a fairly good reason why they weren't able to do anything about it. This visit, one, one of the fact, they're terrible at intel. Russians are absolutely horrendous at intel. And if, there, if this wasn't the case, and they would have known that the counteroffensive was actually coming, okay, they would have known this was coming, and no one really knows what the front lines of the eastern side of the city really looks like. No one really does. Okay. Now, right now, it must be far enough away to where I've seen multiple claiming like it's far, far east. And I don't really believe that. Now, I will talk about it here in a little bit. But do you guys really think the Ukrainians would risk bringing Zelensky down to this town if he wasn't guaranteed to come back out alive? Which means they are farther east than most think. But they may also just have complete control of the AO with regards to artillery. Now, I think that's probably the more the case. Now... For this next piece, this is one I think is just a terrible, just terrible all around. If you claim that a country doesn't exist and these people aren't real, then what's the difference between that crazy rhetoric and genocide? Нужно все-таки какая-то ясность в политическом решении украинского вопроса. Но надо признать, на мой взгляд, что украинский народ существует. Это первое, надо признать. Не согласны с тем, что мы должны Украине предложить какую-то альтернативу. Такую альтернативу ей предлагали, начиная с 91 года. Все по советской существование и было предложением такой альтернативы. Мы подарили вам государство, которое у вас не было. Вас не было как народа. Мы подарили вам ощущение того, что вы народ. По поводу признания наличия украинского народа. Это самая большая ошибка, которая существовала в нашей советской истории. Это все марксисты сделали. Ну то есть нет украинского народа? Нет. Украинского народа нет. Вам скажут любой историк. Любой нет, историк да? вам это скажет, что его не существует. Но... Признать существование. Спасибо. Откажусь. А украинский язык есть? 
Now, this will also make you wonder what the Russians do with the people that claim to be Ukrainian who end up inside of their camps. На этом так называемом языке говорил абсолютное меньшинство населения, которое сейчас объединено в территорию современного. Даже не Украины. в том, есть он или нет, а в том, что он был навязан искусственно. Когда мы извне говорим украинцам, а вас нет, но ну, согласитесь, по-моему, это не очень корректно. Извне-то почему так? Подождите, Честно это наша одна страна. Это воды национализм, ребят. Но... Так просто нельзя. Нет, ну, просто я, нельзя. Я мы сейчас не хочу. против себя я целое, не хочу. целое население Нет, целого Саш, государства. Я не хочу Зачем сейчас... мы это делаем? Не... Ну, это полная ерунда. Здесь язык? Так, я вообще не понимаю, эту тему. Не хочу дальше заходить. Не хочу дальше заходить, потому что для меня это пахнет национализмом. Все, я сказал свое слово. I think this is a good thing to share these type of clips with y'all because it, it shows and it kind of, I don't know, we, we've been showing this for the last couple of months and it really does show like the tone towards the war inside of Ukraine and the Ukrainians as a whole has changed. Like even a month ago, we wouldn't have been seeing anyone speak out on Russian state TV and about what the Russians are doing and how they're losing inside of Ukraine or how the Ukrainian country is an actual place with actual human beings. But the tone must change when you're clearly losing the war. And this could mean that you could lose and you don't want to be in the wrong side of history when the day does come. Now, you know, I think I, I think this might be one of the better ones I've seen uh, come out and they're still trying to figure out what's going on and how they're how this could have happened. What's a culprit of them losing this and, and whatnot? Anyway, enjoy. Последним главы ДНР Кушилина под Светогорском для понимания просто польских наемников страны члена НАТО уже прямо сейчас больше, чем собственно украинских солдат. Ну и все больше появляется свидетельств того, что на Харьковском направлении, там где Блинкин сказал, у украинцев все прошло хорошо, воевал именно иностранный контингент из бывших кадровых военных стран НАТО. Сы войны были замечены в Балаклее, Изюме, а уже сегодня в Купинске. Там американцы и британцы лично срывали российские флаги, после чего над символом нашей государственности надругались. Флаг разорвали, пожелали смерти России. И все это происходит в каких-то ста километрах от Белгорода. And yes, I'm very positive that there are some random Americans fighting inside of Ukraine. I've talked to them. I've actually talked to multiple of them. But... When it comes to the ones that are fighting inside of Ukraine against the Russian invasion, there's zero, like literally zero NATO troops that are currently fighting inside of Ukraine. Just imagine how easily the Russians would be actually cleaned up if they had to deal with NATO and the Ukrainian military at the same time. And I can assure you guys, like right now, our guys right now in the United States military are chomping at the bit to get after it if, they, if it ever came down to it. Like, I'm also very glad, by the way, I've been holding off, and I said this in my last episode, when it comes to what's been taken on the ground, what's been secured by the Ukrainian military, because some really think the Ukrainians somehow have pushed like super far east. Like I could be wrong, of course, but I think the Ukrainian military has pushed past or hasn't, excuse me, pushed past the Osko River and taken Svatov. And there's some that think they have and some think they've taken Lyman. I don't think they have either. And there's a lot of people that agree with me as well. There's multiple sources that make their own mapping and they do. They, they kind of try to do this kind of stuff. And there's one guy that's just being really, really out there. Uh, but I, the reason why I say this is because I think we see that we would have seen a bunch of proof come out that these areas have been liberated. You know what I mean? Like we've said, like I could be wrong, 
and I, I just don't fully feel com- comfortable changing what I have mapped and what you're about to see. Uh, but this is, I'm telling you guys right now, I do know the Russians have actually sustained one of the largest losses ever since World War II inside their military history. The Russians' first guards tank army has actually been rendered combat ineffective. They've been completely defeated and disarmed, but the numbers have not been released as to how many men have been taken prisoner by the Ukrainian military. I've seen some people claim that this number could be upwards of 10,000 captured, which is not going to be true. That is really optimistic, but from what I'm finding out, it will be a significant amount of troops, but nevertheless, it's the largest single day loss or single loss, I guess you did battle loss since World War II for the Russian military. It's not going to be upwards of 10,000. I can guarantee you that that's an absurd number. And the person that was actually saying this has a large following. I don't know what they're, I, I don't know. It's also the same person that's claiming that they've taken Civitov and, and they're, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they know something I don't. Maybe they do. If they, if they do and they're right, I will eat my words and I will say I was wrong, but I don't think so. Um, anyway, I'm going to show you guys, go over here to some mapping. I really do believe the Ukrainians are taking a, a the heaviest blunt of fighting. But right now, I think they're taking a situational pause to gather their thoughts and regroup. Currently, the positions that they hold will be fairly easy for them to hold because of the terrain. I'm going to clean this up real quick. I will say we know everything south of the Donetsk River. So everything south right here, this whole line right here, is going to be a high ground, which they may be able to use in the near future to conceal getting high mowers or just bigger artillery pieces in for a proper push. If I was a gambling man, I would actually say they're going to be possibly going through Lyman because they will be able to target the Russians that are retreating from the hills with bigger artillery pieces. We know Lyman in this whole area is really flat, and they already have a piece across uh, Starry Kervan just right there. We know that they've actually gone across and they've actually liberated this area. I just think this would probably be the area after they regroup that they're going to continue to push. But the thing here is they have to completely um, secure everything west of the uh, the Oskil River, which they have. But the thing is, when it comes to Kupiansk, they haven't been able to push across this bridge. So you guys see the P07 route, the P07 route? That's the one I'm talking about. So when you guys are researching this stuff on your own, I want you guys to do yourself a favor. I highly recommend you guys actually use different resources and or people who claim uh, they know mapping because some believe the Ukrainians have pushed through Kupiansk, which they haven't. I don't believe they have all the way to Sotov, which is right here. So look how much of a difference that is. Like there's there's somebody out there who has a very large following that claims that the Ukrainians have pushed all this entire ground and control everything like this, which is, I I mean if you think about it, that's pretty insane. They haven't. I don't think they've crossed across any of these these bridges. There's no proof of it yet. I haven't seen anything happen. Um, I don't think they pushed through, through, through Kupians. One of the things, there's nothing on firms. And that would indicate that there's literally fires inside the area, which means it's being artilleried and, and shelled and stuff like that. I say this because there's propaganda on both sides. It works for the Ukrainians and works against them. So just make sure to check your sources before getting too excited. Okay, The same spots we talk about all the time on the eastern side of the country hasn't really changed uh, when it comes to to fighting all the way in, in Advika, in, in Crimea, in, in Bakhmat and that solar, all those areas, nothing's really changed over there. The big thing here is the Russians, I still think they are tucking tail in a sense and retreating, but I don't think the, the Ukrainians are continually to push forward across the, the Donetsk and the Osko River. I don't think that's happening as of right now. I think they are regrouping in Izium and the southern area all throughout here. I think they are just regrouping. I think they need to. I think it's very smart. Like I said, we don't want Benilla Bastone or they want to push too far, spread themselves out a little bit too thin. Okay, so we're going to go over to Kirsten. Now we're looking at Kirsten. 
Okay. The Ukrainian forces have apparently liberated the town of Kisovika, which is just 10 kilometers from the center of Kirsten proper. Okay, so down over here. Here's Kisovika right here. So they're coming down this main route, the M14 route that leads into Kirsten. It's another 10 kilometers outside of Kirsten. Ukrainian military is also making some progress just north of here. This is that little pocket we've talked about before. They're making progress. It might be slow, but they're still taking back some ground just outside of this Inhulets River pocket is what I'm going to call it. I think that's what everybody's pretty much calling it because it is a pocket. Here's the here's the river I'm talking about. Now, what's going on there, um, it's, some, it's kind of strange, but it's also just dawned on me now looking at this map that this pocket itself of Ukrainians is pushing south is extremely vital to cutting off the Russian supply routes into the north. So if they are able to somehow get down here and get into range of these main routes, of these main arteries that are right here, these main routes, the ones that the, the Russians are utilizing to get supplies up to their men up here, if they're able to somehow cut this off, that's kind of a big deal. They only have to get the pieces, their artillery units, down close enough to actually hit these roads. So I don't know why I haven't really realized this until now, but this will be the only reason why I would think they would continue to push south here without getting any support from the west or the eastern units, which is the ones I'm talking about. They haven't really been able to push down. There is one case like a, a cause for concern, I guess you'd say, for the Ukrainians inside the area, the fact that Russians targeted the dam inside of Krivira, which is just north of here, so who's Krivira? Okay, they targeted with seven missiles, and they, all, they actually caused the dam to collapse, which has actually made the river itself, this Inhulets River, which is purple, you guys can see it right here, that Inhulets River right there has actually risen about 10 foot or so in the last 24 to 48 hours, and it's, extreme, it's flowing extremely fast, which may cause the Ukrainian units inside this pocket some issues because their pontoon bridges may be rendered ineffective and or taken out. Just something to be aware of, but this is a clear attempt to stop what is going on inside of Kyrgyzstan to force the river to be more of a buffer between the Russians and the Ukrainian units inside of Kyrgyzstan. So... That is something to take note of because when you look at it, this entire river system as of right now will end up being the same thing like the Donetsk River into the northeastern side of the country. Anyway, that's pretty much that. I'm going to go look for some elk here in a minute. I do hope you guys have a fantastic evening and or, uh, day, night, whatever it is. I do love you guys. I'm out.